0: You are listening to The Light of Today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer. Now this is a one-hour study, and we go a little bit deeper on Thursday nights Because on Sunday mornings we just tend to kind of touch on certain things and uh, I want people to be educated in the Word of God and people to know the Word of God. You know, sometimes church services is a bunch of yelling and shouting and good music, but then people walk away and they not got in anything. They don't, they don't, haven't grown in the Word. Can Can you say that? Or sometimes you hear inspiring things things that make your heart feel happy and make you feel good inside, but you haven't learned from the Word of God. And so Thursday evenings is our opportunity, just one hour, we learn from the Word of God. Does that sound good? And before we leave tonight, we'll sing a song, and we'll be on our way, and all the men can tune into Thursday Night Football, the first NFL game tonight, right? I better be done by 8.15. The guys are going to be chasing me across the street saying, Hey man, I got a fantasy team going tonight. Hurry it up. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what's good? Our services are at 9 a.m. So you're not going to miss any football action here. Praise God. I'm just teasing. (laughs) But we're really going to really get into the Word tonight. It's going to be, I've been looking forward to ministering this Word. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of a study. And I've got to read to you 14 verses. Uh, So really follow along with me. Go with me to Acts chapter 20 and I'm going to read verse number 1 to 14 and just follow along with me. Someone say, "Follow follow along. Okay. And after the uproar was ceased... Paul called unto him his disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. He had caused a lot of trouble and Paul was trying to escape. So I want you to get the picture in your mind to now, okay? The Apostle Paul had just got done preaching the gospel in the city of Ephesus where he had started his first church. And after three years, he started such an uproar that it was time for him to get out of town. And then it says, and then he went over to those parts and he had given them much exhortation. He came into Greece and he was in Greece for three months. And it's interesting that the Bible tells us all these different details about where he was at and how long he was at. Because when we learn how to connect these details, we start to get the bigger part of the story. And in getting the bigger part of the story, we can really start to see the mind of God in these things. Okay, so these are important. We skip over these sometimes. These, we're going to look at these a little bit tonight. Okay. And when the Jews laid wait for him, I mean, they're trying to kill him. They weren't trying to throw him a birthday party. As he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to go through Macedonia. Now, this is important, real. This is very important right here. And they're accompanying him into Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristoturus and Secundus, and Gaius from Derby, and Timotheus, and of Asia, Tychicus, and now you say, what, what is this, just names? Now this is important now. These are Paul's companions. They're people of like faith, powerful men of God. And they're going to see they play an important part in this story. Okay, These going before tarried for us or waited for us at Troas. Somebody say Troas. Troas. Can we get into this a little bit deeper tonight? It's going to be fun. Latanya's smiling back there. She's a Bible college student, so she gets into all this. Okay, All right. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them in Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continued his speech until midnight. Someone look at the neighbor next to you and say, I'm glad Pastor Palmer is not that long winded. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I have a feeling that the days of that kind of preaching have ended, right? I mean this service got started at five o'clock in the evening and at, at midnight he got done preaching. That's seven hours, Listen, it didn't say worship, it didn't say watching the things on the big screen, it said preaching. Seven I don't even know if I have an enemy to preach seven hours. <laughs> okay, I could do it, but I won't. Maybe another time, another maybe another country. Okay, and upon the first day of the... Oh, let's see, where are we at here? Okay, uh, Paul preached to midnight. Now watch this. And then there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain man named Eutychus. Now this is interesting because the word Eutychus is Greek for lucky. That's what it means, fortunate. And in the sense of the word, it means lucky. So there was a man by the name of Fortunate being fallen into a deep sleep. Y'all better not fall asleep now when I'm preaching, okay? And as Paul was long preaching, Eutychus sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Doesn't sound too lucky to me now, does it? And when Paul went down, he fell upon him, and embracing him said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again, and had broken bread and eaten, and talked all long while, even till the break of day, he departed. And they brought the young man alive, and they were not comforted just a little. And we went before the ship, sailed to Assos, there intending to take Paul, for so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. And when he met with us in Assos, we took him in and came to Some <sighs> Someone say, thank God for his word. Yeah. For his word. Okay. How many could say from reading the story? Let's get the picture in your mind for a second. Here you have the Apostle Paul. He comes down to the city of Troas. He goes into a service to preach. He preaches seven hours, and at midnight, there's a young man. He falls from the window, hits the bottom of the ground. He's dead. Gets taken up dead. The Apostle Paul goes over to them, lays hands on him, spreads himself out like the old prophet, prays for the man, Eutychus, who looked like he was unfortunate, wakes up. Probably the most fortunate man in all of Troas ever gets up and then they go back into the room, they start eating, have a lot of fun, and then they call it a night and Paul leaves. How many know that sounds like a good church service? Amen. <laughs> You know, some of our church services. today, we go into church. We put our arms like this, and, and and you know, and church can be boring a lot of times. Or there's other people that try and overdo it. You know, church is not church unless you have a rock band, unless you have lights and smoke and things like that. But if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. The perfect church service is when the spirit of God is moving the way He wants to move. Can I get an amen like that? The perfect church service is when the people have yielded themselves so totally and completely to the will of God that it produces something called spontaneity. Someone say spontaneity. So let me tell you something now. The reason why Acts chapter 20 is so interesting is because never in their right mind could of the Apostle Paul or any of those people that I read, Soul potato or whatever their names are, Atticus, Triumphius, they could have never predicted in a million years that they were going to go to the city of Troas and all these things were going to take place and the power of God was going to move and raise a man by the name of Lucky from the dead. And so what God wants in the ministry and in our church services is for each and every one of us to know how to posture and position ourselves when we come to church so that God can do just about anything in our midst. If you get people on the same wavelength in the ministry of the Holy Spirit if you get people having the right mix inside of a church service to expect God to do something you can literally make it so in every church service you have the right mixture so the Spirit of God can do something every single time that's going to blow our minds And that's a whole lot better than just coming, just to get fed for the week. Amen? I thank God by getting fed for the week. But let me tell you something. It needs to be more than just getting fed for the week. Because when you say, I need to just get fed for the week, you're coming to church with just yourself on your mind. And if you come to church with just yourself on your mind, guess what? Church is going to get boring. And church is not going to have its maximum potential. But when you come to church knowing, I don't care what God... does today as long as it's supernatural God is going to move in our midst and God's gonna bless us because I can tell you this you don't know exactly what it is that you need you think I'm going through the valley right now and I need the preacher to lift preach something to lift me up but let me tell you something it may not be enough for the preacher to preach something that lifts you up you might need to see God do a miracle in your midst and if God does that miracle that might be the thing that pulls you out of the valley and restores your faith can I get an amen tonight Look at your neighbor and say, "God knows best." God knows you don't know what you need, but God knows what you need. So I want to talk to you tonight. Oh, we're going to talk to you tonight about ways that we can add ways that we could add to the environment to make it a miraculous environment. Amen. Somebody. How many want a miraculous environment? I want people to come to light today and say, you know what? i come to that church. i come to light it today because the power of God is always moving. It's spontaneous. I don't know what's going to happen. We might run around and dance in that place. We might run around and do a Jericho march around that church. We might go outside. We might just not have church today and just go up and down and tell people about Jesus. We might have a healing service. We might just teach. We might just worship and praise the whole time. There is a New Testament spontaneity when people are filled with the Holy Ghost. When they don't have themselves in mind, but where they're doing everything that they need to do so that God can move the way he wants to move. Someone say, Lord, do it the way you want to do it. it it. Okay, now the very first thing that I want to mention about this is that, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Miracles happen inside of church when people are ready to receive God's message and God's messengers. I'm going to say that one more time. Miracles happen inside the church when people are ready to receive God's message through God's messengers. One thing that's interesting, let let me read to you a couple verses. John chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, God sent a man, John the baptizer. 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 20 says, believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Someone say succeed. James chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are fragile like jars of clay, containing a great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Notice what it says here. God's messengers have power in their lives. Now, I didn't say it's your power, but I said that God looked at you and said, guess what? You may have been a sinner in the past. You may have done things that you were unashamed of doing. You may have done things that, you know, everybody has a chapter they don't want anybody else to read. Amen, somebody. But I'll tell you what, despite that, God said that I'm going to put my power inside of your life and you're able to do the miraculous and the supernatural so that I can get the glory through you. And so when God puts his power inside of people... Watch this. If you pray for God's power and you ask God to fill you with his power, after he does that, do you know what the next thing God's going to do to you is? He's going to send you. And I'm going to tell you this. Many times the church makes a mistake and there's no supernatural in the church because the people that come to church have not been trained to receive the gift that's inside the person that's bringing the message. And I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking about that anybody that God brings into this church to minister to the people, whether it be one of the deacons or whether it be a guest speaker, there should be in our lives an anticipation that this person is carrying the message of God. That this person... And so now when somebody comes into the church, when someone walks behind the pulpit, they're not just speaking for themselves, they're speaking for the Lord. And so when a minister comes to preach the word of God, you should receive that person like they have an order from God to give the message that they're speaking. Now here's an interesting thing that we've got to pick up from this story. When Paul went to Troas and this miracle happened, if you study the history, you'll discover that this wasn't Paul's first time in Troas. Not only wasn't this Paul's first time, this wasn't the Apostle Paul's second time in Taurus. This was the Apostle Paul's third time in this city. And guess what? There wasn't a bunch of churches. There's only one church in every city. And so that means that when the Apostle Paul came the first time, he came a second time, and he came a third time. But there was something special about this third time that he came. Are you with me tonight? Go with me quickly, if you have your Bibles, to Acts chapter 16, verse 8 and 9. Someone to say, receive God's messenger. messenger. I got to speed up. This might be a two-parter. When Paul, well, let's let's read, uh, well, let me just paraphrase it for you. If you're you're reading Acts chapter 16, verse 8 and 9, you'll see that the Apostle Paul was in Troas. If you've ever been to that area, it's modern-day Turkey. And all of a sudden the Apostle Paul is going to start preaching in Troas and he sees that there's a vision in a Macedonian man that's over in Greece and he's saying, come preach the gospel over here. So the Apostle Paul says, you know what? I'm not preaching in Troas. I'm leaving and I'm going to Macedonia. How do you think the church at Troas felt when the Apostle Paul told him he wasn't preaching at any church? This is Paul we're talking about. This isn't some sideshow preacher. This is the Apostle Paul, the great Paul. And all of a sudden, he tells the church at Trost, I'm not coming. It would have left severe disappointment in the church's life. They would have said, but what if he never comes back again? You know, they didn't have Facebook back then. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have text messaging. They may never get the chance again to see Paul. And then all of a sudden you find out that the Apostle Paul comes back again and in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and verse 12, he comes back into that area and he's looking for his friend Titus. And this is what it says. And when I came to the city of Trias to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened up an opportunity to me to preach. But I had no peace of mind because my dear brother Titus hadn't arrived with a report yet. So I said goodbye and went on to Macedonia to find him. Now this is a very interesting verse. Because you'll discover that the Bible says that God himself opened up a door for the Apostle Paul to come to Troas a second time. And God himself opened up the door and Paul had no peace in his spirit so he didn't preach there. How many can ever say that in your life that God has opened up a door for you And you, for whatever reason, did not go through that door. And you fear that that door might have someday closed. How many can ever say that before? How many have ever, you know, you go to the barber shop and you get a chance to share Jesus with the person that's cutting your hair. And the the opportunity goes there. and, And all of a sudden, for some reason or another, you get intimidated and you don't, you just don't tell the person about the Lord. And you walk out feeling like just crummy. Now, oh, I could have told that person about Jesus, but I missed my opportunity or, or maybe one day, you know, all of a sudden you, you could go do something for the kingdom of God and you just miss it and you get down on yourself. Let me ask you a question. Why do we believe that when God opens up a door and we don't go through it, that immediately? God always shuts that door. Is it possible that sometimes God opens up a door knowing that even though He opened it up, we're not going to go through it and God still in His mercy leaves that door open long enough for us to come around again and see that it's still open and go through it and Him get the glory anyway? Now, I'm not saying do that all the time, but what I'm saying is that when God opens up a door, He knows whether or not you're going to go through that door or not. And guess what? God is very merciful sometimes, and sometimes, sometimes you will find that that door stays open, and there is still a chance for you to do that thing for the kingdom of God. I want to hear you tonight. I want you to listen to me. You may have missed that door once, and you may have missed that door twice, but God didn't open it for you to go through the first and the second times. God opened it so you could go through it the third time you see it. Come on, I'm preaching to you tonight. Come on, son, Come on, look at someone next to you and say, my door hasn't shut yet. My door hasn't say, shut. my door hasn't shut yet. Here, look at, Troas says, wait, he didn't come the first time. He didn't come the second time. But no, no, wait, here he comes the third time and I got news to declare to you tonight. You're going to go through that door the third time and you're going to go through with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go through with the boldness and the fire of God. And when you go through that door, you are going to see the miracle working power of God. So Paul comes through this door a third time. He tells the church at Troas, I'm going to take up an offering to Jerusalem And I'm not coming alone this time. I'm coming with seven of my most powerful men. No man of God, no woman of God to travel alone. God doesn't do things with one side show. God does things with teams. What God is building at light of today isn't just a pastor doing everything. God is building up a team here in this ministry to do the work of the Lord. We as a team, we as a church are going to go to Farmington Manor and comfort the elderly. We as a team are going to go out on the streets and pray for people. We as a team, you say, well, I'm imperfect. That's the kind of people we're looking for. We're looking for people that are jars of clay to be filled with the power Of God to go through the doors that God has opened for us. So Paul says this. Paul says, "Guess what? You guys, you six, you go ahead of me." He sends the six guys ahead of him to do what? To go to Troy and say, "Paul's coming again." Can you imagine what they must have thought? Paul's coming. Wait a second. He's coming. He's coming back. Yeah, he's coming back. What do you think those six men did? They readied the people to receive. The message that Paul had in his heart. That's what we need to do. Ready ourselves to receive the message that God... That's why when a guest speaker comes and God brings a guest speaker our way, we ready people. Listen, there's a guest speaker coming. He has a word in his mouth from the Lord. When a guest preacher comes in, we don't treat him like Joe Schmall off the street. You know who we treat him like? We treat him like the messenger of God. We, we, we ready ourselves. We don't call him by his first name. We call him pastor because we want to acknowledge. There's, when you call that person evangelist or pastor, you're acknowledging they have a gift of God that's inside of them that's not casual. It's for me. And I'm going to ready myself to receive that gift. Amen. Can someone say amen to that? Alright. So Paul gets there and he arrives. It's him and it's Luke. And by the time the apostle Paul gets in Troas... It is now a great expectancy that arrives because God's man is coming and we're going to receive him like the man of God that he is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, miracles happen when you constantly hear the word of God. The Bible says that on the night that Eutychus was raised from the dead, they had already been in services for a whole entire week. Often it takes several services to get people's faith where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Many times people will come and say, I went went to church and nothing happened. You know what my response is? Go back to church. Mm -hmm. Well, I went to church and nothing happened, Pastor. Go back to church again. Because, you know, sometimes people think, well, you got something going on in that ministry that I like. You preach the word a little bit differently. I'm going to come here and and I'm going to continue. No, no, no. Listen, if you want what God is doing, you have to come and hear, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it, and hear it. If you believe in God for healing in your body, you need to hear about healing. Not just one Sunday morning every 27 weeks. No. You've got to be around it. You've got to listen to it. You've got to listen to it again. Am I telling you the truth? No. I can give to you an example. Alright? If I go to the gym tomorrow... And I do a bunch of push-ups and sit-ups and run on the treadmill. That doesn't get me by until next February. <laughs> now, does it? I want to look fit, brother. I want to look fit. I want to. I want to look like David Beckham. Oh my gosh! I want to look like Ham. I want to look like one of those good. I want to look so good. And all of a sudden, I'm going to the gym today. You get to the gym, you put your Rocky music on, but you start running on the thing. Oh yeah, you start looking good, and all right. And then all of a sudden, three months later, I just, I don't know why it didn't work. It didn't work because you can not keep doing it. Hello, somebody? You want to look like Jesus, you've got to continually be around what Jesus is talking about. You've got to continually be around the Spirit of God. you got to continually be, well, I don't want to go to church. Why? The church is full of Christians. That should be the first place you want to go. Amen, somebody. you got to continually hear in the word of God. Because when you hear the word of God, it causes your mentality to change. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith is what causes you to overcome the world. Can someone say amen? Amen. Miracles happen when people come to church to get the most out of church. Amen. I said miracles happen when people come to get the most out of church. One of the things is, is that one of the elements that it takes for a service to be supernatural is the people of God got to come to church with expectation. When the people came to the church, you'll discover now what this is. This is important to see this now. This church service. When they came together, the Word of God says it was in the evening. This is Sunday, the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. It's in the evening. You say, well, why do they meet in the evening? For two reasons. Number one, if you've ever been to this area in the springtime, it is extremely hot during the day. When I was in Sicily... They don't have Sunday morning services typically in the morning because it is so stinking hot that people sit inside their house. And listen, when it is hot out like that outside, you know what? You don't want to do anything. You just want to stay inside and eat and sleep and stay in bed. Everything is done in the evening. And number two, early Christians were most, all of them were lower class citizens and they were out working Labor some, toilsome jobs during the day, and they couldn't meet until the evening time began. So, the reason why they were servants, so the reason why they met in the evening is because they had been working all day long. What does that have to do with anything? They came to church on the Lord's Day after they had been working all day long. Sometimes people miss out on miracles. Because they allow the exhaustion of their body to overcome them. Now I'm not saying sometimes you don't need to go home and rest. Sometimes you just need to go home and rest. Sometimes stay home from Thursday service and do something fun with your husband or your wife. But don't stay home from all of them. You need to come to church and fight the tiredness in your body and say, I'm going there. God's leading me to church. I've been at work all day. My boss has been stressing me out, but I'm going to service because I know that they that await upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. When I get in the presence of God, God's presence is going to charge my body. It's going to do something for me that watching CNN and the O'Reilly Factor can't do for me. It's going to do something for me that watching football can't do for me. It's going to do something for me that watching cartoons all day can't do for me. What do you want to watch all that stuff for? It's the same show over and over again. They replay those shows at 11 o'clock anyway. You ever turn on the O'Reilly Factor or some of you like CNN and they watch it at 8 and watch it at 11, the same show. And guess what? You'll watch it twice. Come to church and let the presence of God change your life. You say, well, God never does nothing for me because you've got to show God I'm seeking it. I was talking to a lady at school, and she was talking about, "I've never received the Holy Ghost. I've never received it the way you received it." I said, "Have you ever sought it the way I've sought it?" She went, "Well, I never really looked at it." You know, that's about you Pentecostals. You always are saying about seeking. I said, "Seek the Lord that He may be found. You'll seek and find Me when you seek Me while your heart asking should be given. Seeking, you shall find. Knocking the door will be opened. That's the principle (laughs) of the kingdom of God. You have to seek. You want people to come into this church, you got to go out and seek for them. You want people to come in and get saved, you got to go seek. What do you think, people are going to just be standing at the door saying, well, bring us deliverance. you got to go out there and tell them that deliverance is the children's bread. Amen. Hello, somebody. Amen. All right. Now, now's where the story starts to get a little bit interesting. Here you have the church, they're meeting together. It's the first day of the week. It's hot outside. It's nighttime. The crickets chirping. The birds are kind of getting quiet for the night. The sun is setting. And the Apostle Paul, God's man, has been teaching for a whole week. And I don't know. He's long-winded. So that's probably almost, what, 60 hours of teaching he's packed inside of them. And the Apostle Paul did something before this service because it's now Sunday evening. And the Apostle Paul is getting ready to leave Town. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells you when you study that he went down to the near port there and he hired a water taxi so that on early Monday morning he could take the water taxi away from Troas to the next city, Assos, which was 40 miles by water. So if you were somebody that was there at that time, you would understand this is Paul's last service. For people that don't like long-wittedness, that's a yes. But that wasn't how they felt. This was Paul, listen, when Paul leaves, you can't friend him on Facebook. When Paul leaves, you're not going to be able to uh, see what he's doing on Instagram. He's going to leave and that is going to be it. And the next time you're going to hear his voice is when you see him in the kingdom of God in heaven. So you're going to discover that this service is about to be the most important service they've ever had in Troas. This is Paul's last time with them. And something that Luke does is he records a very, very weird detail. Go with me back there. He says this. It says, And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. A little bit rather obscure, don't you think? That in all this... Luke decides to say there was a lot of lights that were there in the upper chamber. If you stop to think about it, why did he put this in here? Why are there lights in the upper chamber? Someone says, I don't know, I came all the way here tonight to hear about lights in the upper chamber. No, 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 listen, this is important. It was hot during that time. I mean, over there in Turkey at night, it's about 72, 73 degrees. I mean, the heat is still coming off the pavement. You don't need torches in your room. If anything, you need torches to be put out and you need to open up the windows. How many, of you, uh, two nights ago, put torches in your house? No, you had the air conditioning on, or you at least had the windows open and a fan going. Amen. They put that in there because they needed a well lit room. Why do they need a well lit room, Brother Palmer? Because when you study church history at that time, you will discover. That they didn't like Christians in the Roman Empire. And there were accusations going around about believers. That because they took communion, they were practicing cannibalism. And because they met in dark rooms, they were doing seances. And there was all types of rumors going on. See, the rumors about Christians, the bad talk about Christians, it didn't just start last week. It didn't just start a couple years ago when you, know, you had commentators coming on MSNBC and, and the late shows and making fun of Christians. Christians have been made fun of ever since Jesus was put on the cross. And Christians will continue to get made fun of. And the closer we get to the end days, it's going to seem that Christians are farther and farther removed from what's going on in culture. But that's how we know that we're the holy and separated ones from God. And so the Apostle Paul was a man that wanted to do things above reproach. You see, that's where we miss it sometimes in the body of Christ. We think because we're the church that we can just come together in a disorganized fashion. We can't do that. There has to be order in the house of God. Because we're Christians, everything needs to be done a notch better. Because we're believers, everything needs to be done with excellence. When people come into the house of God, we want people to know we're believers. You ever see good customer service? I mean, have you ever gone someplace and got good customer service? You know, I was in Grand Rapids uh, yesterday, actually. I was in Grand Rapids, and uh, one of my friends is going to open a juice, a juicery, a juice bar, if you will. And um, he has been checking out juice bars all over the country. You know, he's one of these guys that likes to pay $12 for an 8-ounce glass of juice, as long as it's organic and freshly squeezed, as though it's going to make your head look better or something like that, Right? I was joking with him. I said, hey, man, if you, it's not going to help you look any any better. You're you're ugly and you're born ugly. And no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. I said, hey, man, if you're trying to look pretty, it's not going to work. <laughs> I'm just teasing. And um, so he said, I'm going to check out this juice place in wherever it was. I won't tell you where it is because that may be your uncle that owns it, right? And so he said, okay. He gets there, walks in. Now juice is $8. Gets to the counter, puts a glass of juice on there and says okay and they said um, I'm sorry we're closed and he looked and said it's 7.02 they say, we closed at 7 and there's a young girl working and I said and you know what he said to her he goes he knew the manager's name he goes Jamil is your manager and she goes yeah and he goes do you want me to call Jamil and have him tell you to sell this juice to me <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing so hard. I said you would say that you know what she did she sold him that juice right and I said to him, imagine that guy, he he's, breaks his back to put up that thing to pay the rent. She has no idea what, how much rent costs. She has no idea how much juices they need to sell. He told me that an average juice place needs to sell 25 juices a day so they could cover profit. That could have been one of those 25 juices. And she's saying it's 702. The register's working. Everything's working. If she doesn't sell them, that juice, it's going to go bad the next day. And she doesn't want to sell it to him because it's two minutes late. But guess what? As Christians, we can't afford to have that. So the Apostle Paul says, get enough lights and put them all around so that we can have a well-lit room so nobody can say in this place that we do things the wrong way. We are going to... See, that God cares about that because God is a God of order. You know what I also find? That when God does things, He does things in the light. That's why when I have a sanctuary, I like putting all the lights on. I don't like going somewhere where it's like a cave. And you come in and it's dark. And it's gloomy. And it's like you can't see yourself worshiping God. I like to do things where it's bright. Because when you do something when it's dark, it's kind of like you're trying to hide something. You know, most people, they're not sinning at 10 o'clock in the morning. They're sinning at 2 o'clock in the morning. Amen, somebody. So look at a neighbor and say, order. Look at the person next to you and say, above reproach. reproach. Alright, we got a few more minutes. I'm coming down, I'm coming, I'm almost finishing here. And so the next thing that happens is, is that when they started the meeting, the very first thing they did was they took communion. Isn't this interesting? The very first thing the meeting happened They all came together. And Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Are you guys with me still? This is one of the most important things. They started taking communion. Because if you want a miracle atmosphere where God is glorified, everything needs to begin and end and center around Jesus. How many times have services fall into the ground and God not be able to move because the service is sent around the pastor's new cowboy boots or the pastor's wife's new dress or the Brock band's new lights or the guitarist's new guitar or the new drum line that the drummer learned or the new fog lights that we have but it doesn't focus on Jesus. Everything that we do focuses around God because guess what? When your focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ, anything is possible. And I want to say this. I'm going to teach on worship in a couple weeks. But even when you worship God in music, the songs should be about Jesus. Amen. They shouldn't be about us. Amen. Because when your f- songs are about Jesus, it shows the adoration of your heart toward the Lord. And that was how Paul began all of his services by saying, we're coming together. Not because what brings us together. Why are we here today? What brings all of us in this place today? It's not because none of us have nothing to do and we just passed this building. I don't even think we put the sign out. Did we? We didn't put the sign out. You definitely didn't see a sign. We came into this building because of one person. His name is Jesus. And that's what the meeting is going to stay on. And the moment we forget that, we might as well not be here. We might as well just go, you know, talk about football or something. I'm sorry, all these men illustrations. I don't have a wife right now, so you're going to have to deal with men illustrations So that happens. All right. <laughs> the guy's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When our hearts are set on Christ, anything is possible. Touch someone and say, anything is possible. Amen. Now watch this. Now, now let me give you a few more things. You'll notice that the Apostle Paul was preaching... Until midnight. Now, I'm not saying that we have to preach until midnight. But I do want to say this. Clock, uh, services in those days were not governed by the clock. They were governed by the Holy Spirit. Do you know a lot of people miss what God is doing because they, get out, they head out of the church before God heads out of the church. The Spirit of God is moving. You ever see that? You ever see in services something? Now, I understand someone has to go to work. I mean, someone tried their best to be. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who have nothing to do. I'm talking about people that leave because they're worried that the breakfast special at Bob Evans is going to be closed by the time they get there. Right? Well, I'm not going to miss out on that. You know, the breakfast special, that's $4.99 for two eggs and bacon. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not. Get over it. Come on. God's bigger guy than that. You don't need all that anyway. Eat some cereal when you get home. And that's what poor people do. They just eat cereal for everything, right? You're struggling at cereal and spaghetti. Cereal for breakfast, spaghetti at night. <laughs> You get a lot of cereal, and you don't. You know, you don't get the, You don't get the uh, uh, the uh, you know Kellogg's. You get the Meyer brand, right? That that, that saves you sixty cents a trip. Right. Now watch this. You cannot enjoy the presence of God when you're in a hurry. The presence of God comes into a service for your enjoyment. God doesn't have to bring the presence. But He brings it so you can enjoy it. When people come into service and they're, <laughs> you know, moving around like they've got to use the bathroom so bad, right? bathroom's back there. Go use it. No, no, no. Stay. Get comfortable. And wait for God to move. If you believe that the presence of God could truly transform your life and that is what you were looking for, then you wouldn't be in such a hurry. But if you're in a hurry, you must not believe that the presence of God can change your life. And I don't mean, see, we think when I say change your life, you think I mean you walk out of the church and you get that phone call. Well, it could very well be that. When I say change your life, I mean produce a transformation in your heart that causes you to overcome that addiction. I'm talking about transform your heart. Put joy back into your life. Some people haven't really laughed in a long time. You ought to laugh. The only time you laugh is when you hear your buddies at work telling those dirty jokes. If that's the kind of humor that you have to reside You're not really a joyful person. You know, really good comedians don't have to tell dirty jokes. Really good comedians can get up there and say things that are just so downright obscure, just funny. I appreciate guys that can do that, right? You know, you you should be able to enjoy your life without having to laugh at something that's perverted and twisted. Or you don't have joy going for you. And I'll tell you what, when you get into the presence of God, God starts to remind you how big he is. He starts to remind you, now there, there, son. It is all under control. I know, I know you're worried. I know, listen, daddy has it. Your dad has it. Just relax. I got you covered. Just relax. Oh, Lord, I love you so much. But I got to go because. No, 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 just stay here. Don't worry about the because. Don't worry about the because. How many have ever started their day with prayer and you discover that your day just, you had time left over to do what you want? How many never started their day with prayer? Just get up in the morning and the alarm clock. Bum, 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 bum. <gasps> Some of you all like this. And you just run You can't have time for a shower. Just throw your coat on and eat your orange in the car. Trying to peel it and drive at the same time. Swerving all over the place. And you don't have time. You get to work and everything's a mess. Can't hear God. Don't be in a rush. Wait on God. God didn't say, wait on God for five minutes and he'll renew your strength. Wait on God till he comes. Amen. Amen, somebody. All right. The next thing is, the Apostle Paul, we know the story. Eutychus is hanging out by the window. Now listen. Eutychus, the Greek word for boy is nia, nia. It means that he was a kid from about five to nine years of age. So don't you all say that you fell asleep. It was a little boy sitting on a window. And the little boy started slumping over in his sleep. And all of a sudden he fell out the window. And Paul goes down there. He prays over that young man. People could feel the mercy and the presence of God. He brings that young man to life. And everybody starts, oh my gosh. Oh my, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. They go back up. Now they've worshipped. They've taken communion. The apostle Paul has preached. A miracle has taken place. There's only one thing left to do. And that's what church people do best. Eat. Some of y'all act like you don't eat after church. What do you do after church? What do you do when you leave here? Sleep. You sleep. Okay. Emily sleeps. What did you do, Brett? Eat, right? <laughs> you go eat. You go find someplace to eat. The Bible says that they continued talking Until early in the morning. They continued talking. This wasn't preaching now. This was godly fellowship. They went in there. Can you imagine? You had Paul, his seven guys. You had everyone, they're fellowshipping, having a good time. Because I will tell you this. I've been in church now for 17 years. I've been going to church since I was a young man. And the best times of fellowship that you had are the times of fellowship after You've been in the presence of God. And you know that people that are so quick to just bolt out of church. So quick to just leave a meeting. So quick to just, you know, the only time you see that person is when they come into church five minutes after worship. And they leave ten minutes before the dismissal. You don't see those people. Those people get gypped on one of God's most precious things. And that is the fellowship of the saints. Someone say the fellowship of the saints. Look what it says here in Scripture. Ephesians 4.29. When you talk, do not say harmful things. Ephesians 4.29. When you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger than what you say will do good to the, those you listen to. Now listen. How can you say things to people what they need to hear when you're not even around them? You segregate yourself. You know, there's some people that actually come to churches and they say, I'm going to that church, but I don't want to know anyone in that church. That's pride. Sometimes it's it's just pride. Look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and give each other strength just as you're doing. Some of the strength you need isn't going to come from praying. It's going to come from talking to each other. It says in Hebrews 3.13, but encourage each other every day while it's today. Help each other so none of you will become hardened because the sin has tricked you. If you are taking notes, write this down. Fellowship causes church services to catch their second wind. You want to know something? How many have ever left church and gone to IHOP? Well, we don't have many IHOPs. Ram's horn, right? How many have ever... You all know what the Ram's horn is? How many have ever left a church service and, late at night and gone to a Ram's Horn? Or gone to a Denny's? God bless you. Or gone to a... Yeah. Denny's is fine, but yeah, you know when you leave Denny's, you smell like Denny's, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to burn your clothes. You smell like Denny. <laughs> or like when you go to Benihana, you better not wear that outfit anytime soon. You smell like garlic butter everywhere you go. Yeah, but... How many have ever gone someplace after service? And while you're sitting there, you start talking about God. And I, and right there in that in, in that restaurant, the power of God starts moving. See, you don't want to dip yourself out of the fellowship that comes from services because it often turns into time of sincere prayer. It often leads into opportunities where believers can give to each other. It often becomes a place where you can give a word to somebody else because guess what every person here doesn't just need to hear from the preacher you need to hear from the gift of God that God has put inside of you and if you dip yourself out of that fellowship all you'll hear is from the preacher and you won't hear from the transformation that has been inside of each and every person And the most beautiful thing inside of a ministry in a church is not everything that goes on on the pulpit it's what's going on inside your heart the transformation that God has been producing in your life in these services and during in the day, and people are not going to get to see that until you start fellowshipping with them. Amen. So important. Someone say amen to that? Amen. And here's finally the last thing. Let me read to you what it says. I'm going to finish here. Look, we're going to be right on time. Amen. See, that's one thing you're not going to say. He I ain't like Paul. I don't have that Paul anointing. Otherwise, you know, uh, Brett will fall out the window. No. Look what it says here. And they brought the young men alive, and they were not a little comforted. And we went before the ship and sailed to Assos, there intending to take Paul in, for so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. This is the interesting thing. Paul is the guy that got the water taxi. The morning that Paul is leaving, I mean, they talked until the sun was coming up. They talked until the sun was coming up. And then all of a sudden they said, okay, we got to go. Now, if it's anything like the Mediterranean, they said goodbye seven and eight times. I've ever been in a family get-together. You know, you get up. You, you know how you get out of the table. You put your leg out like this, like you're going, right? Clear the plates like you're going. And then, well, well, you know, and you put your foot back in. And it's staying a long while. I remember when I was a kid and I was at things I didn't want to be at. i had to wait to see my mom and dad kind of go, go like this, you know. Or when my dad's hand started going like this, he wanted to go. You know what I mean? Kind of like this. Okay, dad's getting, dad's getting ready to go. And then, you know, when he turned back in, it's, oh. oh. <laughs> when I was in Sicily, man, I love them. This was a, two week. This is not the last time I went, but the time before that. You know, those people eat. And they eat and they eat and they eat. And after service, you are not going anywhere for a long time. You are going to be there for a long time. I mean, they start lowering you down and lowering you down and lowering you down. And then right when you get up to leave, eat more, eat more. And I remember, I remember I was so full one time. I was just, I mean, I was, I was stuffed to the gills. I just was wanting to go home and oh, just deliver a baby or something. You know what I mean? That's how, that's how full I was. And I'm coming down the stairs, crippled. And all of a sudden, the usher, pulls a banana out of his pocket. Qua, 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 means here. Here, qua, qua. And I, I, I take the banana, and I'm like, okay. And I say to my translator, this this is how you know you've been preaching in Sicily. When you're leaving, the translator hands you a banana and tells you to take it for the car ride home. <laughs> oh, <Only> man. In... <gasps> take it with you. Okay, okay. I'll probably take the banana with me. I'm in the car eating the banana. <laughs> well you know those, those get togethers can be long and you know when you say goodbye you just don't say goodbye once you say goodbye like seven or eight times okay bye bye well you know okay bye and then you stand outside the door and you know what starts happening when you want to leave you stand outside the door and then you start walking to the car and they walk to the car with you and then you get in the car and then you roll down the window it's can we just leave call them on the way home I've had people call me on the way home. I had one time one guy talk my ear off after a service. Then I'm walking out and I get in my car and he's calling me. And I'm like, no, I ain't answering this. It's <laughs> okay, he get hot too. Yeah, but listen, so Paul's had this long, exhaustive night and all the seven guys go down to the water taxi and they're going to take a 40-mile minute or 40 mile ride to the next city. And you know what Paul does? He says, I'm going to go by a foot. Well, you're the guy that got the water taxi. What do you mean you're going to go a foot? You're going to walk this, and you'll see that it wasn't 40 miles to take the, to forty miles to sail because you've got to go around a peninsula if you saw it on a map. But Paul's going to walk a direct line 21 miles to the next city. We skip over this in the Bible. But why did Paul do that? I'll tell you why he did it, why I believe he did it. It's because after a week like that, and after a night like that, he needs some time alone with the Lord. Because ministry will drain you. The work of the Lord will drain you. Now, let me talk to the married couples that are here. One of the best ways to preserve your marriage is not just to have times where you pray together, but to respect your spouse's time personally, by themselves, and if they're a man and woman of God, with the Lord. And men, that may mean that your wives want to go to the day spot, Just give them your credit card. Let them go be with Jesus. But women, but women. <laughs> but women, that may mean that your husband wants to watch football. Right. Brett paid me 20 bucks to say that. Service. <laughs> oh, that may mean that they want just to be by themselves. Respect your spouse's time to be alone with the Lord. Don't bug them. Don't razz them. And you know what? In your life, make it a point to be alone with God. Because when you do that... The Spirit of God will put more in you and give you a word. Because when God moves in power in the miraculous, sometimes you cannot make sense of what happened. And sometimes you need God to minister to you. And I remember someone told me this one time, and I'll never forget it. The times where the enemy will come to you the most with the greatest temptations are after God uses you. Because when God uses you, He empties you. And when you're empty, that's the moment you need to refill or the enemy will come and sift you. So you spend time with God in those moments. So you respect your spouse's personal time and you make sure that you take your own personal time because at that point, you'll have a supply to add to the Lord. Amen, somebody? Was that okay for you tonight? Let's go ahead. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at PO Box 403, Waldlake, Lake, Michigan, 48390 or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly, so make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.